Hey, this is Sebastian from the Metal Gods Meltdown, and I'm joined by... Lars from Vampire, more known as Hand of Doom Vocals. It's great to be chatting to you this evening. Your third album, Rex, gets released soon. How pleased are you with the feedback so far, and are you getting anxious or excited? Well, I'm uh, basically not anxious at all, because the response has been pretty overwhelming this far, and... um, Everything that has been released up until now has, has met some some great applause as, as far as I'm concerned. So so I'm I'm excited. I, I'm always excited about Midsummer's Eve, but this Midsummer's Eve 2020 will be something else, and, and I'm looking forward to it. So, which would you say is your favorite track on the album today, and why? I think I like the title track the best. Um, and I think that's the song that basically sums up what we're doing on this album. I mean, it's it's old school and it's uh, fast paced and it's violent and dark. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of beauty in the music, and you have those pretty sweet melodies uh, wrapped up in in something not very sweet and and that's the way i like my metal and and on top of that we got a really great video for this song that i'm super happy with so i would say that rex is my favorite song but eventually i will get tired of rex but then i have eight other songs to to pick from so so that's me at the moment
cure for these days of lockdowns and insanity, wouldn't you say? Last time we played live was uh, Vakken open air in, in August, and, and uh, that was half a year before the Corona Nightmare. So uh, bottom line is we, we don't really play live very often, and uh, so far we don't really see... Um, a lot of difference uh, to to how things would have been if we would have been able to play live this spring. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so so far so good. Uh, we don't rely economically on on touring or playing extensive gigs or whatever. So so we're pretty happy. I mean, if we can't play live for the next year, we're we're still a bunch of happy campers because the album is finished and we can kick back and relax and, and see what people make of that so we're good uh, do you have any special plans to do a live stream or anything like that yeah we actually recorded a live show this past saturday but the one before that so we rented the uh, small community center in husna and that's uh that's a building that's usually used for weddings and dances and we set up our gear and we played three songs from uh, this album without an audience and then we had our photographer Daniel Falk um, filming and, and uh, editing that and so that will be streaming I think a week before the album release as a kind of compensation for, for not being able to play live in the uh, foreseeable future. And it turned out really great. Um, I didn't really know to. I didn't really know what to expect from from us playing live after not having rehearsed for for ages. But I was happy to to uh, pull that off, and and that my vocals are actually louder on this live video than they are on the album. So so uh, that was a nice surprise. I think my vocals turned out a bit low on the album. And and that's that's cool. I mean, there are lots of great albums with a low mix on the vocals, but um, this uh, streamed live gig with with will probably sound even more brutal in some ways than than the album does. So that's cool. That's brilliant. I'm a big fan of album artwork. Do you plan to have the cover framed at your home of the new album Rex? No. I don't, but I uh, suggest that if you um, if you are into the album cover, you should uh, buy yourself uh, the vinyl version and and take it to a good print shop and and have them um, maximize it and uh, manufacture wallpaper of it so you can cover an entire wall. I mean, it it looks brilliant. I I, I agree. It's perfect. It's um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's far better than the cover that we was close to ending up with because we had put some some effort into uh, cooperating with an artist in in Sweden was uh, planned to to uh, paint the artwork for this album, but then it didn't really turn out too great, and uh, not everyone in the band was happy with the result, so we scrapped that and we uh, started looking elsewhere pretty close to the deadline for, for sending everything off to print. And then our label tipped us off about this uh, guy from New Zealand, Mitchell Nalti. 
and uh, he had this really great sketch lying around in his portfolio, like an unfinished motif of of death on a on a war horse. So uh, we had him uh, continue working with that and and uh, make a fair bit of adjustments, and then it just turned out perfect for our kind of music and uh, the sort of musical, emotional, intellectual content on this album. It's just It just ties everything together in a way that I didn't dare hoping for such a great cover artwork considering where we were around Christmas last year when it came to, to, uh, to an album cover. So, so that's everything that ends well. voice is really phenomenal how do you prepare before a performance like do you do any voice exercises before you hit the stage do you down a bottle of jack what do you do well a bottle of jack is probably the best way to prepare because then you uh, desensitize your throat the stuff i'm doing is i mean it's it's a bad idea uh to begin with to to use your voice in that way that often for for such uh, long periods of time and uh, I'm I'm not very good at preparations I, I usually go around basically sounding like a trumpet and I always sing the same song and that's the uh, closing credits for an old horror film from 1951 called uh, The Thing oh, yeah. and you may have seen John Carpenter's remake I always sing the the closing credits from the original, and that goes. And I'm I'm impersonating myself now. It goes. I'm done. That's class. That's just. I have good. no idea if that helps me, but it, it gets me in the mood because uh, it has this really nice old timers heroic Hollywood vibe, uh, and and it, it makes me focus on something else than just being nervous about going on stage. So that's what I do. Awesome. Uh, but then, yeah, I have a, a, a few beers usually help to to get you. I mean. Not not to get you less nervous, because in uh, in reality it, it doesn't help that, but it helps you relax uh, the muscles in your throat, so, so you're not too tense. And it's a good idea to drink lots of water beforehand. You, you I mean, often singers will go on stage and realize they are thirsty, like one song into the set. And then you're in trouble. So you need to uh, be hydrated b- before you before you start shrieking at the moon. Um, yeah. So that's me before going on stage. But I, I haven't I haven't practiced. I, I don't use a specific technique for singing. I, I just howl at the top of my lungs, and I try to sound like the singers that I look up to. And that's what comes out. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you like it. It's, uh, it's an, um, it's 100% amateurship. <laughs> Brilliant. So did you come from a musical family and can you remember the first time you ever sung on stage? Um, well, um, both of my parents, um, they have, I think they have, um, an interest for music that is below average in their generation. Uh, my father was born in 1950. My mother was born in 1946. So they were, I mean, they, they, they were the exact right age for both Elvis and the Beatles. Uh, but they still don't have a record collection to, to, uh, to speak of. Uh, but they always encouraged us kids to uh, to meddle with music, and, and the, uh, they bought me an electric guitar for my 10th birthday, and they uh, paid for a tuition, and they even bought me a drum kit for my birthday when I was, when I turned 13, I think, and they let me uh, make all kinds of noise in the garage to the horror of our neighbors. But they were really supportive. I mean, they didn't play me any great records, but they they stood behind to 100% that I um, try different things out to do with music until I find something that suits me. And the first time I sang on stage, that must have been in school. Yeah, I think the first time I sang on stage was in fifth grade. Uh, springtime, some kind of end of the school year festivity. And if I remember correctly, I played guitar and sang uh, Black Sabbath Paranoid. So that was uh, me and two classmates. And we even had a band name, and the band name was Scandal. Um, and we played some Black Sabbath, and we played some Kiss songs. I think we played Eye of Tiger. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first band, and that was my first performance on stage. And that that show was never filmed, but I know that my father, uh, he threw some kind of uh, party uh, at his workplace in 1996, and, and then they uh, hired us to, to uh, play music uh, for the uh, dancing and that is on tape, and that is sheer horror to watch. I, I remember that I, I thought that we sounded pretty all right, and then I saw that video. And I, I mean, in that age, you're, you're pretty uh, self-critical. What, what, at, at, um, at the beginning of your teens, you're super sensitive to, to not doing things right and, and people laughing at you and stuff. And I was mortified by how horrendously, abysmally worthless we sounded. <laughs> because we did, obviously. I mean, we were 13 years old and we tried to play Black Sabbath songs. <laughs> Nothing good will come out of that. Uh, at least not <laughs> At least not music. You can have great, great fun, but it won't sound too good. Yeah, that's my elaborate answer on your simple question. That's cool. So if you were stuck in quarantine for a year, which four musicians would you have with you and why? I would probably try to keep the, the, the four musicians I play with today because these are the guys that I can 
not only play great music with, but I can share fond memories and I can plan future endeavors, maybe write another album with Vampire. I mean, if we had one full year in the same apartment, great things could happen. And apart from playing Vampire, I'm, I'm not very interested in, in uh, ex exploring uh, my creativity in the field of music with, with anyone else. So, so that would we be pretty. I mean, that's that's in a way, in a way that's uh, in a way that's a that's a good answer uh, that I can stand for. But in a way, it's it's a very boring answer. But I can think of four other musicians I'd I'd rather play with. So these are my boys. Cool. So can you tell me why we should check out Rex? Well, you should check out Rex because it actually consists of songs, uh, much death metal and black metal these days um, is made by people who aren't very concerned about song structure or, or, or actually writing something at least reasonably clever when it comes to song structures. But uh, we actually pay great attention to, to putting something together for, for, for each song, we're trying to put something together that works in and of itself. And, and we pay uh, a lot of attention to, to, the, um, to the arrangements, the same way that bands used to do in the 1980s. I mean, if you listen to... It doesn't matter if you listen to Metallica or Slayer or Autopsy. They all have very apparent song structures, and, and you could actually replace those riffs uh, in the music of these bands for just plain pop music and it, it would still be the same kind of song structures and, and that's something I think is important in, in much of the, the metal that actually survived from the 1980s. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the underground bands or if you talk about the bands that made it big like Morbid Angel or what have you, that they were all into writing songs. And uh, I think that's the reason people still listen to them. And, and that's the reason nobody will listen to Gore Rotted in 30 years from now, because they, they don't actually write songs. It's just a... I mean, I have nothing against Gore Rotted. Uh, I don't think I've, I've ever heard an entire album. But, I mean, there's a, there's a pretty big segment in extreme metal, where, where the the craftsmanship of, of songwriting isn't um, held in very high regard, but, but we think that's important, and, and that's something you will get if you listen to Rex. Festival or small intimate gig? I will have to say festival because then there will be so much uh, other kinds of great fun around that happening. Meatballs or beer? Beer. I mean, I would like to drink beer every day, but I wouldn't like to have meatballs every day. That would be boring. Yeah. You, you're never bored when you drink, and and beer is usually my my beverage of choice. So um, a, a beer each day keeps the doctor away. Yeah, totally, man. Abba or Hammerfall? Abba, obviously. Denim or leather? Um, well, I was actually clothed in, in leather from, from foot to, uh, 
I mean, I, I was one of those guys that ran around in, in leather pants and leather jacket and leather boots in my late teens. But these days, I'm, I'm more for denim. Uh, I'll have to admit that. Okay. Zombies or vampires? Vampires. Of course. I'm sick and tired of the uh, zombie revival sort of mainstream trend. It's... I mean, it's so tedious. I haven't seen a good zombie film in years. I haven't seen a good vampire film in years either, but vampires are still cool, and, and I haven't grown tired of the uh, mythological concept of the vampire. That, that still attracts me a great deal. Awesome. I, I can't say that of zombies. Do you have any final words for your fans and our listeners? Well, if you hear this, that means that you have listened to the entire interview, and that makes me very glad. Um... If you know Swedish, you can tune into my own podcast on horror fiction called Varitimen. That means the hour of the wolf in English. If you don't understand Swedish, it will make absolutely zero sense. But if you do, that could uh, let you see another side of me that is only visible in part in Vampire. This, this is, is Hannah Doom, Doom from Vampire, Vampire and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Metal, Metal Gods, Gods Meltdown, Meltdown Podcast. Podcast.